All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 95, the Matt Duchesne edition of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger, along with uh, Frank Saravalli joining us live from uh, Philadelphia. Uh, last week you had your first uh, snowfall. So uh, I don't know, Frank, is it still there? Did it all melt? What's going on? Now we got some rain over the weekend, so kind of washed most of it away, but uh, it's actually going to be pretty cold here this week by Philly standards, by East coast standards. We're going to be 19 degrees Fahrenheit is the high one day later this week. So what's that? Minus four, minus five, something like that. Yeah. However that works, but right now that's t-shirt weather for us. Uh, Uh, It's it's crazy what's been going on up there. Yeah, It was so cold here for a long time, but uh, today it's heating up to exactly minus five and then it's going to get to uh, zero, which is 32 uh, Fahrenheit uh, for the next few days. So uh, I'll take that. It'll be uh, it'll be outdoor rink season, although I've been on the outdoor rink even when it's minus 20. You just get used to it, but uh, it'll be much better. So I'm looking forward to the uh, to the weather change. you know, another weekend in the NHL, uh, more games uh, canceled. Uh, the Edmonton Orders, I guess the latest team now, uh, they had uh, seven players put in COVID protocol over the weekend. So their Monday game against the Senators was postponed. They've pushed it to this coming Saturday. Uh, they expect them to be good by then. Tampa, New Jersey also uh, postponed. It, you almost get the sense like it's the, the, the postponements are slowing down. And I wonder if, you know... <laughs> Do they just have to gut it out until the end of the month? I think that's really what they're trying to do. Um, 
it hasn't been easy by any stretch of the imagination. And they're kind of, they're teetering right on that edge. I know that you've asked about it. Uh, the idea of, do we need to push back the regular season another week uh, to give the league more runway to get all 82 games in They're They're right on that edge right now. They're, they're confident still that they can, they can get it done, but they also know that at this point, there may be more postponements. So it's, it's hard to say with any definitive measure, but they're, they're pretty confident at this point they can get it all in. Uh, the other big news on the weekend, the San Jose Sharks uh, filed to terminate the contract of Evander Kane. He cleared waivers, no surprise. But uh, to me, this one, I see Mike Richards in a similar situation where this is likely, you know, uh, they're going to go to arbitrate. You don't think the NHLPA is going to ca- uh, challenge this? No, they've already said that they will. I just don't yeah. think that they're going to be successful. Okay, but I'm this just saying this is a different situation. There. Yeah, oh yeah, they've they've already pledged that they're going to grieve the process, which by the way, and I'm I'm going to write something about this a little bit more in depth on dailyfaceoff.com. It's not without risk that they file this grievance. I think people, you know, look at this and they say, "Oh, just grieve it. What's the worst that happens is you lose?" Well, no, you actually open yourself up to an arbitrator in the process who will give a ruling and provide details and in the end each new ruling sets a precedent. So yes. this may, in fact, if it goes the other way, may embolden teams um, and depending on the details that are revealed, embolden teams to attempt this more often, may make it easier for teams to try and terminate contracts. So, you know, when I look back on this Vander Kane situation that's unfolded, there were a lot of people who wondered back when the season started, if the San Jose Sharks would attempt to terminate Evander Kane's contract for material breach. Then you think he had just been coming off of investigations uh, and allegations from his estranged ex-wife uh, about uh, domestic abuse, about gambling. Uh, neither one of those investigations were founded because his ex-wife did not participate in the investigation. So it's not that the NHL said that he didn't do it uh, with the gambling one. They said they, they, you know, certainly went back and looked through and worked with uh, gambling experts, uh, line movement experts to see if there might have been a chance. They found no evidence on that front, but when it comes to something like domestic abuse or assault, you know, you can't substantiate unless the other party uh, participates in the investigation. In this case, Anna Kane did not. Um, and then moving forward, we had the 21 game suspension for handing in a fake vaccination card. Well, that was significant in that you could have made the argument potentially then uh, but instead, the NHL and the San Jose Sharks in joint, you know, sort of conjunction there determined that they didn't have enough ammo. They didn't have the ability then to terminate the contract. Now, after what allegedly happened over the Christmas break, Evander Kane entering COVID protocol uh, with the AHL's San Jose Barracuda on December 22nd, he was alleged to have then attempted to fly to Canada at some point while he still should have been in quarantine. No one knows whether he made it to Vancouver or not. Uh, there's a lot of facts and details in this case that uh, remain to be heard and, and frankly substantiated. Um, but then there were some other complaints that if you read the reporting, 
the San Jose Sharks and, and Barracuda had previously um, that he missed two games because of what they felt were questionable um, practices, uh, you know, in terms of injury. Was he really hurt? Uh, he claimed to have a stomach virus, didn't show up to practice. Um, and then as the other second part of this trip to uh, or alleged trip to Canada is that he was supposed to or due to report back to the team before the new year on December 31st and didn't return until January 6th. Um, so my guess is that there's been a lot of uh, due diligence on the Sharks part in, in working with the league to say, hey, here were the things that happened previously. Here are the things that have happened now. Do we have enough grounds to terminate this contract? The NHL is in agreement with the Sharks, um, believing that they have enough grounds to do so. We'll see what the NHLPA can do to, to, to uh, combat that. And for people who don't remember the Mike Richards situation with the Los Angeles Kings, when they terminated his contract, uh, he was owed still 22 million in actual cash. Uh, the, the, they were scheduled to go to arbitration. They mutually agreed that he got 10.5 million of it uh, back in 2015, 16. He got one payment of 1.8 million. And he's actually been getting payments, Frank, varying between 400 to 600,000. And it happens until the end of this decade, right? Yeah, he's still actually getting that, getting that money from the LA Kings. So just as a, as a but that precedent. settlement is different though. You, no, that's no, not just, a precedent center because in that case, Mike Richards and his camp felt like they were blindsided. There was one alleged incident that took place or believed to have took place at a border stop. And he had nothing prior that was on his, his behavior list that would, you, you know, you could say, Hey, he was trending toward this, or these were the other uh, issues that we had with Mike Richards beforehand, before they stepped up to unilaterally terminate. This is a different, it, I don't, it, you can, you can mention the Mike Richards thing in terms of yes, the NHLPA was able to get him a settlement, but in this case, this is a totally different ball of wax. Oh yeah, no, I'm not comparing the two actions. I'm comparing the results of this is what's happened and the fact that the LA Kings, even though they're still paying them, they don't have a cap. Like there's no cap penalty for that. There, right? there was, just, was a small, a very small cap recap yeah, for, for two years, but I, like he's yeah. like Bobby Bonilla in essence of a different league where he's still getting paid by the LA Kings through to the end of the decade. I'm just but telling it still people, cost him ten and a half million dollars. Oh yeah. Well, more actually, because he was owed 22. He's actually cost him 11 and a half. And which, yeah. the, the reason I say that is he got less than half of what he was owed. And as you said, Frank, he did. That have, was a win for the NHLPA. Yeah. And he didn't so have half. That's of what the, I'm saying. He, that was a win for the PA. If you look back on their track record with grievances, it's not very good. No, the NHL doesn't mess around. They know when they have a they have a winning case and when they don't. And in this case, they told the San Jose Sharks to sit by and wait um, until they had enough. And I think, you know, if all of these things are true, big if, uh, and I want to be fair to Vander Kane in saying that, it's disappointing. I would imagine for him and for others that he was given this sort of last chance. That, you know, even if he was trending towards a buyout, that would have been significant money for him. That is all of a sudden, you know, he would have been getting two thirds of his remaining 23, $22.9 million. He would have been getting two thirds of that in a buyout this summer. Instead, there's a chance that he gets zero of it. And it's, uh, it's got to be disappointing, you know, to watch all that play out, given that, you know, what happens next? 
Nah. You know, we're going to have this grievance process that's going to take a long time. Uh, it's not going to be quick. My guess is probably six weeks or two months before we hear anything, even if they try and expedite it. And then in the meantime, does someone step up and try and sign Evander Kane? I think everyone thought Evander Kane would probably resume his career at some point after a buyout this summer. But the fact that it happened so quickly, the fact that there's more alleged transgressions certainly doesn't help his playing career in terms of does some team now, after you've given, you know, you were put on full alert in, in September and August to then now break the rules again and put yourself in a position where your contract's been terminated. Was anyone going to take a chance? Well, my question is technically from what I understand, he could sign with another team before the arbitrator yes, rules. Of course. Right. So because the best case scenario, I think it's not that his contract is reinstated. I don't think that's even a possibility. No, I think his best case is that he gets a settlement like Mike Richards did. hundred percent. Yes. So therefore, why, why, why would it restrict anyone from signing it? So he's, my, a, he's a, as of this moment, he is a full fledged unrestricted free agent eligible to be signed for the league minimum or whatever it is. So when we talk like there, there's almost like two Evander Canes here, there's the Evander Kane on the ice, but then there's the Evander Kane off the ice and, and the issues are all off of the ice. When he played last season in San Jose, he was their best player. It yeah. really wasn't close by, by any standard. So when you look at a 30 goal scoring power forward who can skate, who's also one of the toughest players in the NHL when push comes to shove, there's just not many on ice players like Evander Kane. Do you feel there's NHL? Cause I'll tell you right now, Frank, I had three text messages from, from teams, you know, saying, Hey, what do you know about Evander Kane over the weekend? I, it makes me believe teams are at least going to be kicking tires here to say, is this worth well, it'd it? It'd be dumb not to. Um, given what you just said, they'd be dumb not to do their own investigation. Cause I think the truth of it always is there's three sides. There's one, there's the team side, there's Kane side, and then there's the truth. And in this case, we don't know what that is yet. We don't have any sort of idea of, of where that might be trending. How steady was the ground that the San Jose Sharks decided to, to stand on when they pulled the plug on the contract? Um, you know, I, I just, I think Evander Kane will get a job in the NHL again. I, I will it be before March 21st. That's my question. Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm with you. Uh, like anything, a little bit of time away, you know, people have more time to think they wonder. I thought if the summer would be perfect. You get the buyout, you collect your money and you move on. Well, if indeed he ends up with, with no, nothing financially from this, like I, if I take a step back, It'll be the most try, expensive trip he's ever taken. Well, I try to look way. at the the human element of of Evander Kane and uh, Frank. When you consider what, like when you went through it all, he's he's you know he was paying homes for his grandparents. Like there was a lot of people in his house in his family circle that he was basically you know financially supporting. So there's a lot of pressure there when we when we look at it from a human element. That's why side. I said disappointing to a lot of people, not and not just financially disappointing to Evander Kane, another hit to his reputation, disappointing to his family, disappointing to all the people that he supports, including his kid.
Yeah, well, as kids for sure. Like, you know, if you if you're supporting all your parents and your grandparents, we might have a whole different conversation. If if that's fair for him, does he have to shoulder all that? Should they not be taking care of themselves? You know, it's a conversation for a different day. But I just I look at him and say, man, to to see that it it fell apart like this now. And, you know, there's still the pending bankruptcy factor that you you wonder just how much stress there'd be in his life. Now, maybe this is the final thing where all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is serious, man. I really screwed up. But what, I think, what, what, why did it take to this point? Well, like, there's bottom, been other right. warnings that he's gone through already. Yeah. Right. Like his trade from Winnipeg was one. He gets to San Jose through Buffalo and, and has this fresh start. And, and signs this massive contract, mm-hmm. how many times, and then, and then to go through all of this, to go through the two investigations, then the 21 game suspension that cost him $1.75 million. How many, how many more chances, do, like how many more tries before you finally say, you know what, I'm going to play this straight. I'm going to follow every rule humanly possible. I am going to make sure that I am clean as a whistle. Yeah. Well, you, you look historically from a lot of humans you, that and, until they hit rock bottom, they continue to make the same mistakes. And may, maybe this is it for him, Frank. Like, well, this I, is, I was just yeah. saying, how are, how are any of those previous things not rock bottom? For most, because, most people, they would be. Uh, because probably he still had the contract right now. He doesn't have a contract like there. That's, that's, you know, that's 28 million potentially out the window for nothing. So maybe, I don't know, maybe that's it. I don't know. I'm just talking like, that's a, that's a pretty significant one. And I'll say that's when we talk about it and and I want to make sure again, we're being fair to Evander Kane. That's the exact conversation teams are going to be having. Why didn't you get this in August or September? Why did it take you to be hit over the head again? And in a much bigger way, for you to get it. Oh, hundred percent. And the other thing, Frank, if a team signs, I mean, I do believe a team will, I think Evander Kane, one and two year deals are max what he's going to get because then a team doesn't feel there's not a risk. Two year deal for a while. Yeah. So, and you know what? Lots of guys. I don't think he's getting much more than a minimum salary either. For the first year, for sure. I would agree with that. He'll have to have a show me contract. No question. And I so just don't, yeah, I don't know that anyone's going to be willing to commit major term and dollars, major no, dollars no, or major term term, I think is, is a non-starter. I don't think that's going to be an option. And so then it's going to come down to, do you want to, there's going to be a team potentially Frank, that's going to sign Evander Kane for seven fifty a million dollars. That's just, you know, round numbers, whatever it is. And as I've talked about the Evander Kane on the ice, which at the end of the day, the NHL, ultimately that's, you know, what they care about and really what Evander Kane cares about, because that's where you can make more money. Then you start looking at teams to say, Hmm, like look at teams that have went bargain hunting in the past, like the Toronto Maple Leafs, for instance, look at some of the bargains. They imagine they go, Hey, Vander, you can come here and play for a million dollars and play with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Right. Or the Edmonton orders. You can play with Connor McDavid. Like I, there are teams, Frank, when it comes to seven fifty or million dollars, th- there's opportunities because how many teams in the league realistically, if we're just talking on the ice, would Evander Kane not play in their top six? I think he could play in any team's top six. I don't No One's questioning that. I would like, I would need to go no further than to look at Bob Bootner's comments over the weekend. The question was, is there any sense of finality here now that the contract has been terminated and you can move on? And he said, no, no, we moved on a long time ago. Yes. 
you already outlined their best player last season. Not even close. No. And by the way, the San Jose Sharks are doing a lot better and started a lot better without Evander Kane. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that that tell you something? It it says something to me. Yeah, it does. But I will say, to be completely fair, the Sharks finally have goaltending. They had the worst goaltending for three years at 895. And uh, um, you can look at teams. But you're right. There's there's less there's less drama in that in that locker room, I would guess. You know, and the players, you know, the players themselves said, hey, we just don't want to talk about it anymore. And I respect that. Logan Couture and Thomas Hurdle, their veteran players, have said that on record. So um, but and Frank, I agree with everything you're saying. But I also know the NHL and the injury only takes one. The inch, like people will sign guys for $9 million when we know it's a, when we know they're never going to live up to it. I think teams on the opposite end, why you got to trash Jeff Skinner like that to a million. Well, I'm just <laughs> pointing it out, right? Like a one year million dollar uh, contract. I think there'd be loads of teams that would be willing to do it. I, like I said, it only takes one. My guess is between it'll wait. My guess is it'll wait until sometime in March. No one's going to, not while all this is going on, I think everyone's going to wait and hopefully see the facts and what is alleged by the Sharks on paper in a case before even signing him. Well, I'm curious. Can I I ask you something sinister? Sure. So the HDA, the Hockey Diversity Alliance, Evander Kane was the co-founder, co-head uh, has since uh, removed himself from participating with the Hockey Diversity Alliance. They come out with their campaign with Budweiser Canada on Saturday. If you haven't seen it, I urge you to check it out. I wrote a story, talked to Wayne Simmons and Akeem Aliu about it. Um, there were some, I, I don't want to call them allegations, but clearly the HDA uh, embarrassed the NHL on Saturday with some of the things that they said about the NHL and the NHLPA's lack of participation in the campaign. So my question to you is this, was the timing of this, the NHL knew all week that the HDA was coming out with this campaign on Saturday, was the timing of Evander Kane's contract termination time to embarrass or attempt to embarrass the HDA? Hmm. Well, the fact that he's no longer a part of it, if, he, if it he's was, still on their website, uh, you true. know, and he was still their co-founder and still their guy that represented them in so many meetings uh, with the NHL over the past year. I'm just saying I'm not a conspiracy theorist. That coincidence is not lost on me, especially the fact that a lot of these things were alleged to have occur- occurred in December and it's now January 10th. Either they went through the longest fact-finding mission possible before pulling the trigger, which is certainly you know, possible because they want to make sure that all their T's are crossed and their I's are dotted, or this was time to try and um, you know, give the HDA a bad name on a day that they had a big thing going for their campaign. Yeah. Well, you had mentioned that flight to Vancouver, that alleged flight to Vancouver in January. Maybe that, it, that was, was another- it was December. It was it was in December. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, so that's another one. I, I'll say this. Um, I, I would, you, and that's fair. I would look at it the other way. Does the NHL say, Hey, terminating a player's con on a day where the HDA is going to be the main story. Maybe we just slide this in knowing it won't get talked about as much or hoping that maybe I think it's all part of it, but anyway, uh, just a little hmm. thought on my end. 
That's an interesting one. Um, so uh, for fun, Frank, I know your, your trade board comes up all the time. Now, it's not a trade, but it is essentially like an acquisition. So how would you put it when we get into the week before the trade deadline? Is Evander Kane going to be at the top of the trade board? I don't think so. He's not at the top of any list, I don't think. Okay. But it's funny. In terms of we, want? Yeah. Uh, in terms of need, yes. In terms of want, I think any manager is going to be pretty, pretty nervous to pull that off. True. At the same time. And, and I, look, uh, look, I'm not, I'm not even saying that they shouldn't. All I'm saying is, and, and I think the whole sport, and in fact, all sports need to have this conversation. Are we trying to build a team of good guys? Or are we trying to win a Stanley Cup? What is our mandate here? Yeah. And I think at times it's going to mix both. It should. That's the, that's how life works. It's not black and white. Yeah. Which I could see. I, I'm going to say, I think Evander Kane will be on an NHL roster before the end of the season. Before the trade deadline or before the end of the season? Before the end. Because you can't play in the playoffs if you're not no. on the roster yeah. before the So trade. he'll be, he'll, he'll, well, if you're Evander Kane, you're either, you're either going to sign before the deadline or you'll wait till the summer because I don't think Evander Kane wants to go play for two months and then sit out the playoffs. I Unless think- he signs with a team that's not going to make the playoffs. I think sending the message to Evander Kane that you can resume your career in March after what this last six months has been like is the wrong message. I think if you want actual change from Evander Kane, you need some time away. Well, Frank, I agree with you, but I also, I also, I think it would be the the worst thing for Evander Kane, the person for someone to throw him a, a lifeline and say, come back to the NHL. Yeah, enabling them in essence. That's fair. It it says whatever you've done in the past doesn't matter because you're a good hockey player and that's it. And again, all all alleged, um, you know, I just think to, um, you know, some other really controversial situations that have popped up, uh, the Montreal Canadiens drafting Logan Mayu, um, you know, he came out and said, I don't think I'm ready for this. I, I, I'm asking all 32 teams to pass on drafting me. One team didn't listen in the Montreal Canadiens, who, by the way, Mark Bergevin, back in the NHL with the Los Angeles Kings as a consultant uh, after exactly six weeks uh, since he was fired by the Canadiens. But Logan Mayu says, I, I'm not ready for this. Give me a year to figure this out and, and be better. Go through counseling. It's not his fault the Canadiens don't listen, but that's a teenager coming out and saying it, you know, what is Evander Kane going to say the next opportunity we have to hear from him? Uh, I'd be surprised if he said, don't sign me this year, but we'll wait, Frank. We will uh, wait. Let's get to uh, Tyler or truck, but buy or sell. Yes. Let's jump into a new edition of buy or sell presented by our friends over at DoorDash. Ding dong promo code rundown DD gets you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order i got four lined up for you guys starting with uh well the gentleman we were just talking about evander kane it's point blank buy or sell on evander kane being on an nhl roster at the start of next season jason oh i'll buy it for sure at the start of next year yeah they'll have all off season they can talk at bare minimum i think he might be there in march so for sure next year 
Yeah, I'm going to buy next season as well. All right. Uh, number two, John Klingberg came out over the weekend with some comments and maybe not a, to steal a term from you, Frank, a soft trade request, maybe out of Dallas. Not exactly sure the best way to word that, but uh, buy or sell on John Klingberg being traded in the next 30 days, Frank. 30 days sell. Yeah. Um, it's a really hard trade to make. First off, it's a really hard trade to make if you're the stars. Um, you know, your team has been mercurial this season. They've had some really good stretches, winning seven straight. They've looked really disinterested in other stretches. They've had some confounding games. Uh, you know, you look at the game Sunday against the, the St. Louis Blues uh, up one nothing in the final minute and you lose in regulation. Like, how does that happen? How, how do you not just fight and hang on for the last few seconds to earn at least one point? Um, so yeah, that's, that's a difficult spot that the stars are in. Um, his cap hit is reasonable, but you got to get a lot for him. I would think in order to pass up, or at least you're, we're waving the white flag at that point saying we're not making it. He's a pending UFA. Um, I think he's getting traded. What's interesting about your question is the 30 days. Yeah. That's obviously there's six. I would say, yeah, he is getting Um, traded, but not in the next 30 days. But I'm going to I'm going to go by and say that um, he came out and he was pretty strong. I'm underappreciated. It's clear he wants out. There hasn't been any contract negotiations. And uh, I think uh, teams like John Klinberg's a really good defenseman. I think teams will pay a little bit more to get him in earlier. And uh, I say he gets dealt before the uh, what is that? The 10th of February. I'll go 30 days. And that was kind of my thinking there too, is that a team who's in the hunt might just sit there and go, you know what, if we're going to give up X, X and X for him at the deadline, let's just give up a little bit more and get him in our system. Now. Let me ask you a question. Is what John Klingberg said a good look for him or a bad look for him? I don't mind honesty. I don't think it's a bad look for him. He just says, Hey, I feel underappreciated. Why do you feel underappreciated because they're not signing you or because they're not giving you every dollar that you want? Like, it's their right to do that. You are playing in your contract that you signed. You're in the last year of your deal. You need to hold up your end of the bargain. Feel underappreciated. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> I, I mean, like, come on. They, they gave you $30 million. What, what part of you feels underappreciated? Like, I don't know that that's a good look for him. I really don't. Yeah. I think I'm, I'd maybe be in the middle there. Like I get where he's coming from. You know, if you, if you love being in Dallas, maybe there is like a level of disappointment that they're not maybe as in love with him as he has is with the team. But yeah, you're right. You know, you are, there's so many guys playing on the final years of their deals and none of them really come out and say much, but a little bit of honesty from John Klingberg gives us something to talk about. So I won't complain about that either. Okay. Um, Number three, Jake Allen also had some interesting comments over the weekend about the state of the Montreal Canadians buy or sell on the Habs. Maybe it's not Jake Allen. Maybe it's someone else. I don't know, but buy or sell on the Habs trading a goalie before the deadline, Frank. Are you like, is this a veiled way of asking about Carrie Price? No, both goalies, just goalies. I, I don't uh, think it'll be Carrie Price, but I left the door open for either option there for you guys. Um, will they trade a goalie? Well, they, I think if you go back to Michael McNiven's comments uh, before the season started, he was another guy that felt like he didn't even get a chance 
Uh, they, they could trade him. They could trade Allen. They're, they're not trading Caden Primo. I don't think anyone's banging down their door to get Sam Montembeau. Um, yeah, I could see, I could see Allen going somewhere and what a, like such a great contract, even yeah. as bad as the Canadians have been and as bad as their goaltending has been in general, Allen still has a nine Oh three this season. So I could see someone wanting that 2.875 for one more year still, by the way, on Allen. Sorry, Jason. Yeah. I will buy that. They, uh, they trade a goaltender and I'm not, I'm not ruling out the carry price trade at all. Um, Carey Price took his team to the Stanley Cup final last year. If you don't have goaltending, you don't have a chance. And didn't we just do this this week? Yeah, yeah we did. But if this, hey, if the season progresses, man, and it's yeah. and it's a little bit longer, that gives you more time for Carey Price to, you know, maybe an extra two weeks of regular season action. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of teams that Montreal is going to have to eat close to fifty percent of that salary. But I think there's a lot of teams that would be interested in Carey Price. All right. Fourth one for you. The NHL put out the date of June 30th as the latest the Stanley Cup could be handed out when they put out their key dates before the start of the season. Are you buying or selling on that actually happening? Buy or sell on the Stanley Cup being handed out by June 30th, Jason? I'm selling. Ooh, I've been, uh, I just, I, and I guess they could be stubborn and try to slide in every game now, but you're going to have to play a more condensed schedule with way more travel than you played last year. I, I don't see how that benefits the product on the ice. So I will sell. I am going to buy. Um, I think they're going to do everything they can to wedge it in. And I think that potentially includes if needed, including back-to-back games in the playoffs just to get it done. Wouldn't that be something? It'd be a hey, baby. A... Bring back the eighties, man. I loved it. Oh, they used to play four and five to start. The series it was unreal. Honestly, they, they did it in the bubble. It's different yeah. when there's no travel. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked at all to see them do that. They, they be... know they need to get back to a normal hockey calendar. And you know, the easiest way to do that is get your cup awarded. And then you just hope for short series. Yeah. <laughs> Hope for a bunch of sweeps to get things back on track. That's a good plan. Um, all right, let's uh, wrap it up with our points bet bonus question, who, by the way, points bet literally minutes ago, as we're recording this, announced a new partnership with the NHL Alumni Association. Going to be some really cool stuff going on between the Alumni Association and points bet and us. We're going to have some stuff on that over a daily face off and across the nation network for the next uh, while here. But your points bet bonus question, Colorado Avalanche, they are red hot right now. Nine wins in their last 10 games. They're taking on the Seattle Kraken tonight and to get the avalanche anywhere near even money you have to bet on them minus two and a half goals they have to win the game by three or more and it's at plus 115 so uh, that's your points by bonus question can the abs win it's one of the biggest spreads we've seen all year minus two and a half goals abs cracking frank you want a side there i'm taking the abs they just whomped on the Winnipeg Jets seven to one last week. Why can't they do it against the Kraken? Fair enough. hundred <laughs> percent. They're rolling, man. They are rolling. And uh, which leads me to a perfect segue that we're going to get to right after this uh, segment now that you brought that up. But yes, I will buy on the abs winning by three. There you go. That is going to do it for another edition of buy or sell. Shout out to DoorDash and PointsBet. So I wanted to get to that game, Frank, because I, I and this is for a lot of our listeners. And I, I wonder how many teams and how many fan bases have scores that really 
make them feel uncomfortable. 4-1 lead for Toronto has become like the worst lead for the Maple Leafs. They've had brutal games where they lose. They're up 4-1, obviously the Boston game. Um, like the Edmonton Oilers, 3-0. They were up 3-0 in game one of the 2006 Stanley Cup final. Lost. They were up 3-0 against the Anaheim Ducks in game five in the last five minutes and lost the game. So I wonder, Frank, is there a score in Philly that, re- that, that resonates with terrible losses for an organization. I wonder how many other ones have a certain score where yeah. the fans are like, oh my God, this is the worst lead for us right now. I, I know we just touched on it, but I'm still, my jaw is on the floor with that St. Louis Dallas game. I know it's only, you know, a one nothing lead in the last minute, but to lose in regulation, 47 seconds, 47 seconds away from two points. And in 47 seconds, you walk with zero. Yeah, to lose the regulation. Hard. It's only the 17th time in NHL history that's ever happened. When was there's the last like, one? Do you there's, know? I don't, but there's, there's 1,283 games this year. That's a lot of games over a lot of years, 100 plus years of hockey. And 17 times, is, that's all that's happened. Yeah, the, uh, the Bakersfield Condors in the American League on, uh, was it Friday night? Uh, they were down three to one. They gave up an empty net goal and then they scored two goals in the last minute and then won it in overtime. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but they, the, but the, you know, their opposition Abbotsford was only playing with 15 players. So I'll give them a little bit of a caveat to that. But, um, I do want to do the flyers. Like when you think of bad beats, do the flyers have like a bad beat score that you remember of like terrible I don't losses? Know it's necessarily about system? a score. Like it's more just things that have popped up the Leon stickle game. Um, I don't, I, I don't know that maybe I'm just not old enough to remember. I don't know that there's any crazy score that stands out in infamy. Yeah, well, let us know at uh, at Daily Faceoff on uh, on Twitter for your team, because I just just watching that four to one game for Toronto, just like ooh, now hey, it's a regular season game. It's not like it's a playoff game. I understand it, but that's just a score that seems to uh, to to not resonate well for them. Uh, three nothing for Oiler fans. Like any game that's three nothing now, Oiler fans get jittery. They don't like it because uh, they've had some uh, heartbreaking losses over that. So I'm curious around the league for certain teams, what's the score that has your fan base not comfortable when your team is leading? So you can get us at uh, at Daily Faceoff, at Frank Saravalli, or at uh, Jason Greger. Quickly, Frank, we talked a lot about Evander Kane. Uh, we got uh, Trevor Daly uh, coming up uh, momentarily. Talk about the HDA, his time uh, with the uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Also, moonlighting in the ECHL. Geez, that's kind of a power move for Daly. Just, just skips right over men's league and wants to get back in on the, the ECHL. But um, you, every week it goes on, are you more surprised at the gap now, like, and I'm going to use the, the number that you like the best points percentage. Look at the points percentage of the top eight teams in the Eastern conference. Frank Boston is eighth and they're at like six sixteen. The next closest is Detroit at 500. Like the race seems over. It's over. Now, like it's crazy. What's crazy is the difference between the two conferences. And I was talking to the, to an Eastern conference executive about this over the weekend. He said, there's not going to be any intrigue at all in the East over the last number of months of the season. And it's not just because all eight are decided it's because all eight are not really separated by a whole lot. There's not even really any incentive to try and win your division. So that's part of it. And then you look at the West and it's a total dogfight to get in. It's a dog pile. In fact, to get in like how many teams realistically in the West have a shot. Like I would even throw Vancouver in the mix 
because it, it's not that big of a stretch yeah. to get yeah. to to the wild card teams. spot. There's 13. Yeah, it, it, it's the and it's the exact opposite. You probably want to win your division in the West because that means you're going to get one of the wild card teams who might have a 200 points percentage difference between you and them. Well, Frank, this allows me again to pump the rule that should be abolished in the National Hockey League. When it's obvious and it's four and four and you just outlined it perfectly, there's no benefit. The NHL wants divisions. There should be zero chance of a crossover. There should be four Atlantic teams and four metros when it's oh, four I like and the four, crossover. But why? Like there's way more travel for some teams. And if you want to promote rivalries where you stay in your division. I, I personally, I'm, I'm of the mind that it should be one to 16 in general. And if you start with Pittsburgh against Anaheim in round one, so be it, bring it on. You want to talk about the toughest trophy to win in sports. Okay. Let's add in a few thousand miles of travel. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you look at this, if there's one division that's incredibly weak, like why should, like, if we think the Pacific is weak, which it's not really any different than the bottom of the central, why should the teams in the central be penalized? For- no, 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 no. I like the five on three. If you get five, you're allowed five on three. But in the case of the East right now, it's clear there's going to be four metros and four Atlantics. There's no crossover. So the wild card team by one point difference, the number seven seed and number eight are separate. And this has happened by one point. Now they cross over. To me, that's dumb. Like, okay, I, when it's like how do you three, account for that? You can't. What do you say? Oh, if the margin is this thin, then then this like, you know, I would just that. say if 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 the wild cards even out where it's four and four, no then one, everybody, play, one, right, one plays four, division. two plays three. Uh, I don't know. I kind of like mixing it up a little. Yeah. Wow. It, but it's just it's counterproductive. They say they want rivalries, but then at the, at the most important time of the year, by one point, they don't have them. I just it irks. Me. Right now, it would it. be. The top seed in the East would be Carolina and they would get Boston on yes. a crossover and Pittsburgh would play against Florida. Yes. The battle, the Patrick Hornquist series. Mm-hmm. So I just, I'm not a fan of it, but Hey, let's okay. get to, uh, let's get to Trevor Daly. Our next guest is a two-time Stanley Cup champion and one of the key acquisitions by Jim Rutherford that helped produce those two cups for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He also played for the Dallas Stars, the Chicago Blackhawks, and the Detroit Red Wings in a 1,058-game NHL career. A proud Toronto native, the Daily, the DFO Rundown is pleased to welcome Trevor Daly. Trevor, how are you doing? How's it going, guys? Really good. Thanks. Uh, I got to ask you first and foremost, how are you feeling uh, two, after two years off the ice? I'm not sure that the casual hockey fan realizes how much COVID-19 has wreaked havoc on all levels of the pro game in terms of rosters. You're hopping or pressed into duty this weekend with the Florida Everblades in the ECHL. What was it like to get back out there? Yeah, it was it was awesome. I uh, I resigned down in, in, uh, in Florida now, so um, it was uh it was a, it was an easy decision to to make to you know receive a call and ask if um, if you wanted one last weekend. So I uh, I jumped at the the opportunity and uh, I'm so grateful for it because I had a an amazing um, amazing experience. Great group of guys. Um, you know, got to play uh, got to play hockey in front of my uh, my family again. So I I don't regret one second other than 
I am hurting today. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's what I was going to ask you. Did, did you get any sort of clear sign now? Do you, do you feel comfortable? Are you, are you okay knowing that uh, that might be it? I was, I was okay before doing this. <laughs> that was going to be it. So um, yeah, no, it, it, like, like you said, uh, to start it off, you know, we're, we're in a, a crazy time of, of, of the world right now, the whole world's going through it and, and uh, they were pretty desperate for some players. Uh, I think they had um, three guys, uh, four guys that, you know, had nothing to do with hockey playing for them that night. So um, it, it, it's just, you know, where we're at in the world. And I, I was happy to help out. And, um, you know, obviously um, it was uh, it was fun uh, for one weekend pretending like you, you knew what you were doing again. Trev, most guys, when they retire, the, the odd time they might take up men's league a little bit like div six, non-contact uh, here. You jump in for, it's kind of a power move to want to go right back into pro hockey. You know what? I wish I would have took some of these guys offers on playing a little men's league before I jumped into it because uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the easiest thing, but like I said, I had a, an amazing time. It was a, well, I'll, I'll never forget the experience. It was a pretty cool experience. So uh, I enjoyed every second of it. Now, Trevor, you're also, uh, you know, part of the, uh, the HDA that a big announcement uh, uh, this weekend with, uh, and the video from the hockey diversity Alliance. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about um, how, where you feel it's going to grow and, and go in the future for the HDA. Well, you know, nobody has a, a, you know, a crystal ball of what this is going to look like when we first started this a year and a half ago with Akeem, um, you know, we, 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 all, all we had was hope, you know, and, and that's all we, we still have is, is hope that, you know, this will, will take and, and people will buy in and, and we could help kids, um, do what we did. Um, that's, that was our, our goal from day one, when we, when the, the eight of us committed to, to, um, being a part of this, we, we, we want to give back and, and make this game better because this game gave us, um, gave us all a lot. You know, we, there was a lot of ups and downs in this game and we're, you know, we, we, as a group, we're just trying to, to make this game available for everybody, make everybody comfortable in this game. Cause you know, I, I remember our first conversations that we had, we all basically said the same story. Um, we all went through the same, um, the same upbringings. We, we dealt with the same thing in, in hockey. So, um, uh, you know, to, to answer your question, do I know what this is going to look like? Uh, none of us know what it's going to look like. We just, we all have hope and, uh, we, we hope everybody else, uh, follows along with it. So Trevor, you weren't actually in the campaign itself on video, but obviously played a big part in your role with the HDA uh, to help get this campaign with Budweiser Canada off the ground. When you watch the finished product, what stands out to you? Powerful. Like it's just special, you know, just seeing the guys in the video, I, I, I know stories, you know, I know what they've been through and I know what, what our end game is that we, we would like to see. And it's, it's for our youth. It's, it's to grow this game and to make this game um, equal for everyone where everyone can play. So it's, it's special. It's powerful. I've had so many uh, uh, messages sent to me, just, you know, people telling me how powerful it was. So, um, you know, hopefully that keeps growing and, and it never ends. And, and this game gets bigger, better um, because it's, it's, the greatest game on the planet. 
Did you guys happen to get any reaction from the league itself? I saw a statement that they had put out uh, basically just applauding you guys for your efforts, but clearly, you know, the NHL and the HDA aren't working together or not on working terms uh, based on the statement that you guys had sent out last year. Did you guys get as a group, any response from the league? That I know of, I, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, you know, we, we got, we kind of set this thing up where there's, there's people in place that are, you know, doing, pulling, pulling a lot of weight right now uh, for this. And, and, um, I, I don't think so, um, but I don't know that that question either. So, Trevor, when you look at kind of you, you admitted you don't really know how it's going to go. And, and I appreciate that because because it's a it's a difficult thing. It, it's really kind of still a reflection of society, I would assume, as well, because if, if you hear that in hockey, you're likely hearing that maybe on the schoolyard, you know, as young kids or, you know, playground or wherever. Um, it, it just seems like there's a lot of people who still don't understand, you know, what, um, you know, a lot of minority, a lot of black people, you know, a lot of mixed races, what you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Have, have you seen much improvement overall from when you played to the young kids who are playing now? Yes. Yes. And no, uh, for the most part, I, I want to, you know, I want to be optimistic and say yes, uh, for the most part. Um, but there, there's, you know, you still hear so many different uh, stories that that come along that you know I know for sure that come across my desk where I'm just you know I get set back you know and and the, like you said that is the the world we're living in and you know we're we're just a you know a very small fraction of of this world and you know we're 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 trying to do our part um, in it you know to to make it better and you know it, it's 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 not gonna. You know, we, we're we're not going to be the ones to save it. We, we're hoping we could be this, the the ones to help it. Um, you know, it, it takes a it takes a village to to get things done. So, um, you know, it's it's a lot of it is society and the world we're living in. But you know, we're we're, we're just trying to make it right in the little small world that of hockey that 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 we're a part of and and trying to do our part with it. Trevor, you're maybe in a little bit of a different position because, you know, the rest are active players and, and you're working for an NHL team, you know, maybe talking and seeing different people. Do, do you have a maybe a different approach or a different opportunity on, on who you can talk to about the HDA moving forward? Um, maybe in a, in a way, yeah. Um, you know, just being around management and and uh, people of, of that stature. Um, but you know, the, it's, it's about the players, you know, the, everybody comes to watch the players, the players are, are the product. The players are, are, um, who's going to help move this thing further. Um, you know, if you get buy-in for the players, the, everybody else is going to follow. That's, uh, that's, that's the great thing about our game and about sports is, is, um, you know, people pay money, people want, kids want to see the players and, and that's who's going to going to be the big key to, to getting this thing moving forward. Uh, Trevor, I also saw you guys got buy-in from other people, other players in other sports. Marshawn Lynch was among those that retweeted the, the campaign over the weekend. 
do you do you guys have a sense of of the support that you have from the other sports, the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, in terms of their players helping amplify what you guys are doing? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah, I you know when you, I mean when you when you think about it, like we're we're trying to help the game, like we're trying to to help kids um, have opportunities that a lot of us had, and um, I I just I. I find it hard to just figure why that's not, you know, why, why it can't be a lot easier, you know, to do, I, I really do. And I, I don't know, that's just, you know, the way I am, but, um, you know, the support we do get, that's, it's, it's amazing. It's just, you know, you just wish sometimes everybody would support it because it's really, you know, when you think about it, it's not really a bad thing we're trying to do, you know? Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about your role and Jason was just hinting, hinting at it. Um, hockey operations advisor with the Pittsburgh Penguins. It sounds like sort of ambiguous title. Tell us what it means. What are you up to? Um, I know you're traveling a bit later. You'll be going back uh, up to Wilkes-Barre. Do you work with some of the younger players? What's your role with the team? Yeah. So right now I'm, I'm mostly just, just working with some of our young D prospects. Um, some, some kids that we have in the system, um, we got some, some, some really good young D that, that we drafted here, uh, the last few years. So I'm just, um, you know, working with them, trying to give back to them however I can, um, from some of my experiences that I had and, um, some of my knowledge that I, I think I know, (laughs) but it's been amazing. It's, it's like, it's, I love, I've always loved it. Even when I played, I, I loved working with, with the young guys. I love watching them um, come up and, and, and grow into to young men. So um, this, this gig for me, it, it, it's, a, it's a fun gig, and I'm really enjoying it. Trevor, there's lots of people who understand the game, but then maybe aren't great at communicating it, right? Like you can, you can have a lot of information, but then you want to make sure that you get that information out there, basically coaching. How, how has that been for you? What's been maybe the, the biggest challenge or surprise when, when it comes to like a coaching development role with young players? Yeah, no, you're, you're, and you're absolutely right. Just because you, you played the game doesn't mean you could teach the game. And, um, you know, I've had some great teachers along the way, um, that helped me and and uh in this uh in the the job that i'm in i if i don't know i'll ask you know before i i I say anything to these guys and i want to make sure i i come across the right way and and i um you know i'm telling them something that that they uh they could benefit for so i ask a lot of questions I'm, i'm still learning um i'm a big believer in I don't think anybody knows the right answer. There's always something better out there. So um, I'm always trying to get better and always trying to, to make sure I'm, I'm helping these guys the right way. Will you be showing them any tape of your games this past weekend? That would be a negative. I will not be showing them any of that tape. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I wonder like if, if for fun, if they went over Trevor Daly's tape from the weekend, uh, what would you like about it as a coach? And conversely, uh, what, what would you have needed to work on? Um, I would make a lot of excuses. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor, um, you had a 16-year fantastic career. You just turned 38. You're still a young guy. You're obviously dabbling in in um, you know, with the Penguins in terms of your, your role, what, what do you want to do? Like, what's your next 
what's your next career? Is there going to be one? What do you want to get, get, get into? Well, I, I love the management side of, of the game. I, um, you know, I, I love what I'm doing right now with the uh, development part. I don't have really much interest in the coach and I, I don't like any of those coaches. They're all, they're all terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's uh, I, I really enjoy the management side of the game, but I have a, I have a young son that's, that's trying to come up in the game and, and wants to, to be a hockey player and loves the game. So I think uh, the next few years I'm going to concentrate on him and, and uh, give back to him. And uh, you know, I, I left home when I was, uh, when I was 15. So he's, he's 13 now. So it's, um, you know, I, I think I'm going to focus on him a little bit for the next couple of years. I love that. How much did you learn from, from Jim Rutherford? Obviously he brings you on staff, um, and, and traded for you. I was just thinking back to that trade, um, December, 2015 from Chicago and, and Chicago had just given up a bit to get you, uh, trading Patrick Sharp and, and, um, and Steven Johns to, to Dallas. And what, you know, I was just curious, two part question. Why do you think things didn't work out in Chicago? And, and what have you learned from, from Jim Rutherford previously in working with him while he was in Pittsburgh? Um, so the first part of your question, I, I wish I knew Chicago was, was an amazing experience. You know, when I got to Chicago, I remember saying, you know, there's a reason why these these guys have won, uh, you know, three cups in five years. They had a, you know, a great. Um, they had some great players with some some really good people. Uh, I know they're, you know, when you talk about the Chicago Blackhawks right now, they're they're kind of, uh, you know, rebuilding right now in, in a lot of different ways. But I had a, an amazing experience there with uh, the guys on that team. You know, Taser, um, Kane. Seabrook, uh, those guys were amazing people. So I, I enjoyed every second of, of being in Chicago other than when the puck drops. But um, I, I wish I knew why it didn't work out. I just don't. But, um, you know, the opportunity that that uh, Jimmy gave, gave me um, coming in the Pittsburgh, you know, with a fresh start, um, it, it was just the timing was amazing. You know, we, uh, Sully, Sully's first day was my second, my first day um with Pittsburgh so you know I, I felt like everybody was just coming in with a fresh start and and um you know I think that's what really helped the the team along and um you know Jim's been been great to me and my family we we love their family um great great people so um no I, I'm very grateful for for what Jim has has done for me Trevor, we always like to uh, to end all of our interviews with a section we call rapid fire. The only uh, the only rule is you have to uh, answer every question. All right, so uh, yeah, so we'll uh, we'll go from there. Um, when, when Trevor Daly's uh, sitting down, uh, you know, maybe on the uh, in the Florida Everglades uh, after a hard day of work uh, or recovering from playing, uh, you know, in the ECHL, what is your cocktail of choice? Tito's. Love it. What is that? Tito's. Tito's. Oh, Tito. Oh, yeah. Tito's. Okay. I thought I said Pito's. I was like, oh, is this some new okay. beverage? All right. Now, so Tito's on the rocks? Uh, no, I'll mix it with, uh, with a little bit of water or, or some soda. Okay. Um, what would be the ultimate end goal for HDA? Uh, watching some young HDA up-and-comers playing in the NHL. 
since the Pittsburgh Penguins for over a decade have found ways to continually win when uh, when they have key guys out. Why? What you were in the room? What happens? What what's the magic tonic that the Penguins can continually win when their stars are out? Because they have the greatest player and the greatest leader on the planet. What was Sidney Crosby's? Uh, what surprised you when you became a teammate of Sidney Crosby? Uh, just I, you know, I, I've I've known Sid before I got there, um, just from a lot of uh, summertime stuff out in Vail. Um, just him as a person, like he he's he's just he's a better person than he is a player. And that's what, that's what I love the most about that kid. If Jenny Malkin doesn't speak to the media very often, but what he does, he has some of the greatest quotes ever is, is if Jenny Malkin, one of the underrated funny guys in the NHL, probably the most underrated funny guy in the NHL. (laughs) Okay. So what, what's like, what's your favorite Malkin story? I I just love how he, he pretends that he doesn't know how to speak English. <laughs> and we've let him get away with it for so long. It's, I mean, it's 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 great. <laughs> if you're scouting a, a young defenseman today, what impresses you most about Kale McCarr? Everything. Wow, the kid is this—he's uh, special. Um, um, you know, both both sides of the puck. He, I, I. I I really appreciate what he does. He's not just one dimensional offensively. I think he's really good defensively too. Have you inherited uh, Berkey's style? Do you wear the tie untied around your neck? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> would you, uh, would you ever do it for fun? Or is that is like, I, I don't know how the relation Berkey seems like he's got a pretty good sense of humor. Do you guys ever in meetings all just show up with the, uh, with the untied ties? I think the the development staff had some pictures out there with uh, when he, when Berkey first got there with their their uh, ties untied. They're looking like Berkey, but uh, we'll we'll leave that look for Berkey though. Best advice you got as a young defenseman, and who gave it to you? Oh man, I I would say um, probably would be the. Enjoy it because it goes really quick. <laughs> I wish I would have listened. <laughs> when you started, you were in Dallas for almost a decade. Um, you talked about how you loved helping the young guys when they came up. Uh, who helped you the most as a veteran NHLer? Oh, I don't, I don't even know where to start on that. There's so many. When I, when I got to Dallas, I don't know. You guys could look back at the rosters we had. We had such an older roster. Um, but, you know, the people that, that I, I, I'd be crazy not to mention a lot of guys because I've been so fortunate to have such great people. Um, but I, uh, Don Sweeney was, was amazing. Um, you know, he, he was my, my first roommate up there and I would, it was the same age as my mom. So it was always cool to have, I still tell him that too. Um, <laughs> but no, I had uh, so many Manny Malter I lived with when I was there. He, he was, he was amazing to me. Billy G was was great. Uh, I could go on Jason Arnott. I could go on for days. Marty Turkle. Uh, we, we had so many great, great, great people. Well, Trevor, really uh, appreciate you joining us and uh, continued success with the HDA and, of course, with the Pittsburgh Penguins. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
Trevor Daly from the Penguins. Uh, I guess I guess now we have to call him uh, Frank. Also from the uh, is the Florida ever ever is the Evergreens or the Everglades? I was Everblades. Everblades. Okay, yeah. and uh, um, of course with the Penguins and the and the HDA, it, it'll be interesting. I love to, the story, by the way. Hold on the uh, the Don Sweeney roommate. You're as old as my mom. Like that is that is fantastic. That's a good shirt, man. That is yeah. a rig. That's a really. Although I could imagine the comebacks that Don Sweeney could come up with if he so choose. So yeah, it would, could uh, work both ways. I, I think Trevor Daly is is going to be playing a prominent role in an NHL front office sometime soon. Okay. Yeah, wow. I, I just think he's someone that it, it has so much respect, um, and one of those guys that teammates loved. Uh, I'm sure he does a great job in, in Wilkes-Barre and working with the Penguins' young defensemen. But, um, you know, you heard him say management is his path. That's what he'd like to do. A few years now uh, when his son gets off and playing, that um, I'd imagine he'll be in a front office playing a prominent role. Well, you, you know, there's lots of guys. The ones I find who go in management, not all, of course, um, but the ones who put in the time to learn the job, Rather than just take a role and then just think, hey, you know what? That's my reputation. Those are the ones who ultimately have had success, right? Long term. It's a it's a long game, man. It's just like the NHL. You don't it's, just suddenly 17. It's a whole path. Yeah. It's, you know, you start out doing exactly what he does. Get your feet wet. Learn the, the ropes. Learn player development. Then you go to director of player personnel. Then you go to director of, you know, whatever's next in your path. If it's amateur scouting, pro scouting, you know, and, and keep moving up. Like lots of guys have done that. I wouldn't be surprised if he ultimately ends up skipping a couple steps. He's a bright guy. Um, but he's, uh, you know, even in, I think about a, a situation like Vancouver, you heard him mention, uh, Jim Rutherford and, and the special relationship that he has, um, you know, Jim Rutherford has a lot of openings or will have a lot of openings in Vancouver to fill. Yeah, I look forward to that for sure. Well, uh, Frank, an interesting episode. Uh, we have more cancellations, uh, more changes, uh, more probably coming uh, this week. But uh, hopefully maybe by the uh, by the weekend, uh, more teams are, are getting back to normal in the National Hockey League. And uh, we'll discuss it on Friday. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.